This episode is brought to you by Stratosphere.io, the best web-based research terminal for company-specific metrics like KPIs and segment revenues. The service saves time, has a beautiful interface, and has the best data visualizations on the internet for equities. Now, our favorite features are the 10 years of data with data visualizations. This includes company-specific KPIs, charts for all the financial metrics you might be interested in, and stuff specifically for that company. So for example, if you're looking at a payments company, you might have take rates, you might have GMV. If you're looking at a marketplace, you'll have GMV as well. All that good stuff that can get you updated on your research process. If you want to get started today for free, go to stratosphere.io and start utilizing the powerful research terminal. Again, that is stratosphere.io. The link is in the show notes. We hope you'll join us on there today. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive interview where we interview an analyst covering a single stock in about 45 to 60 minutes. And today we have on Alan Sokloff. Accidentally said it wrong at the start of the interview as Sokloff. Uh, so don't mind that. It's Sokloff. And we're talking about figs, which is... Not a fruit company. No. And it's not Fig Newtons. It's a... Uh, it's sort of a burgeoning healthcare retail brand is maybe no, the way apparel apparel would probably be better. Okay. Um, and I don't know, did you have any highlights? Well, it's, it's, and this isn't a knock. It's a simple thesis because they're executed so well and they have this simple strategy of selling scrubs plus other, uh, apparel items to healthcare professionals. And the big differentiator is they're stylish and people like it. And it's tough. You know, there's comparisons to Lululemon, there's comparisons to Nike. Allen covers the basis of all this, um, their management, their unit economics, why their margins are so high, their, you know, the benefits and downsides of getting powered by Shopify, international expansion opportunities. I mean, we cover the gambit here and it was just a great overview. Yeah. And Alan, we, we, I don't know if we mentioned this during the interview, but he has kind of this philosophy that makes, um, makes investing pretty simple. Sometimes he says he likes to invest with his eyes. I think figs is probably a great example of that sort of thesis or that approach to investing where you're kind of probably seeing it in the real world uh, and seeing it be adopted by a lot of healthcare professionals. So um, I'm going to leave it at that without further ado. Here's our interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome in. Today, we are joined by a friend from Twitter, and we went on your podcast a long time ago, um, but now we are returning the favor in a sense, and we're having a deep dive on figs. His name is Alan Sokloff. He is the founder and writer at The Crossover, which we'll talk a little bit about at the end, um, but it's an interesting newsletter that kind of blends public and private market investing, but let's focus on the company for today. It's figs. And most, I would say most people don't know what figs is just since it's sort of targets a 
a niche for the time being. So can you, how did you come across figs as an investment? And then I, I know we, we both used to own Sprouts Farmer's Market. So um, yeah, I, I know you like to do boots on the ground research because you, you took a bunch of pictures in the Sprouts Farmer's Market one time. Yeah. So um, have you had any experience with figs in the real world? Yes. Um, so first of all, Brett and Ryan, thank you guys for having me. Um, great to be on the show today. Big, big fan. Um, so when, how did I, first of all, it's interesting to hear that not everyone knows figs, you know, because at this point, it's all like I see anywhere I walk thinking about figs, 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 seeing what people are wearing and things like that. But it did not used to be that way. Um, so I think I was first introduced to it um, in 2019. I went to a um, pain management doctor, had a bad back. Um, it's good now, thankfully. Um, and he was looking great wearing scrubs that were tight fitting, slick, really not what you think of historically when um you think of scrubs and um, i asked a couple questions what's the brand whatever but ultimately really felt that it was probably like a small niche company and it wasn't investable and then really forgot about it for a couple of years um and i would see it here and there but really off my radar uh and then um fast forward to Right when I started working at Workweek, the company I'm at now, I was watching Mitchell Green, who's um, the head of Leading Edge Capital, their crossover fund, so invest both in public and private markets. And they were big investors in figs in the private markets and also bullish on them in the public markets. So then I was also a little skeptical then, thinking, okay, is this like a SPAC of some sort, probably like a um, uh, probably high growth company losing a lot of money? What, I'm, what I was trying to stay away from at that point. But then um, I started doing my due diligence and was really blown away. I'm sure we'll talk about the fundamentals, but you got a company that's growing revenues um, at a serious rate, free cash flow positive, um, IPO, not a SPAC, and uh, management really impressed me. And then as I started my uh, due diligence on the company, all I saw was sprout, I was not sprouts. All I saw was figs everywhere. It's actually funny because you can find figs that sprouts the fruit, um, but um, the uh, yeah dad jokes. Um, so uh, and then I started seeing figs everywhere, and um, I was intrigued and hooked. So yeah. All right. Um, yeah, you did some boots on the ground research. I mean, you talked about what they sell, and that's the scrubs that nurses and other maybe medical professionals might wear. But what's maybe the question is what do they sell maybe besides that and who is what is their target market like can, can you give a size you know is it three million is it 10 million people for sure so first um one more thing regarding the boots on the ground all i do now is ask my friends that are becoming doctors or nurses what do they wear things like that specifically more people like on on, on the I would say this word on niches on like the, the ancillary sides to it, like dietitians, things like that. So um, I'm always, if you're a doctor, reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But um, so yes, they sell um, scrubs. I think they have 13 um, core styles in six different colors. And that makes up about 80% of the sales. And 
Um, also, when you think of market size, there's about 20 million healthcare professionals in the US and 120 million in the world. I think that's a $12 billion market domestically and about, I'll check on it, but a 70 billion market globally. Um, so it's pretty big. Um, and the um, so that's what that's the TAM in many ways. Uh, so 80% of the sales are from the course uh, core lines, but also they do a lot of one off special scrubs, um, let's say, depending on the season, time of year, things like that. And then they also have a fast growing lifestyle line where they're really trying to get you to buy things like um, jackets, sweaters. They have a partnership with New Balance for shoes. Um, uh, different different things like that, and that's fast growing. I think in the past quarter there was seventy percent growth year over year there. Um, and as time goes on, they're getting more and more into other um, components of um, selling to healthcare workers. Like uh, another example is Figs Pro, they call it, where it's a whole clothing line focused on um, uh, like hospital administrators and things like that. So you got polos, you got um, pants, you got a more casual sweaters. And in my eyes, that's very um, intriguing too. So really building their brand outside of just the core scrub line. If you're listening to this ad right now, we know you're already a listener to our show, but for our avid listeners, we've also started a paid membership service called Chit Chat Money Plus that extends beyond just our podcast. Every Tuesday, subscribers get access to one not so deep dive research episode that covers everything you need to know about a company. You also get an email newsletter with our written show notes, important charts, a transcript of each show and access to our Chit Chat Money research files. Chit Chat Money Plus costs $5 a month. You can subscribe directly through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you listen on another platform, click the link in the show notes to go through the simple steps of signing up. If you're a regular listener to the show, we think the membership will provide tons of additional value. On top of the stock research episodes, members will get one Arch Capital Fund episode a month where we outline why we bought, sold, or continue to hold a stock in the Arch Capital Investment Fund, along with shows on our broader investment strategy. Sign up and become a Chit Chat Money Plus subscriber today. We can't wait for you to join our community. Okay. So how often does, like, is this a recurring purchase for a customer? Like how, how, how many scrubs tops do you have to buy? Yeah. Great question. And it's something I thought about a lot. Like when I originally was looking into the company, it's like, shouldn't this be a recurring order revenue type of program, right? Like let's say every three months you get a new pair of scrubs. But uh, management decided that was not uh, the optimal financial model. And I think the results are proving that that's true. So logically, like I've tried to think about it, talk to doctors, people have quite a few. You're not wearing the same pair of scrubs every day. Um, so I think five to seven pairs is pretty normal. And, and I'm sure we'll talk more about the unit economics later, but they're pretty expensive too. Um, $98. 85 to $98 for tops and bottoms. Um, but the nice thing is for a majority of healthcare professionals, they do make um, a, rel a relatively nice salary. So, so they can afford that, but it's also important. Uh, so to answer the question, I'd say five to seven, but also there's a lot of people that whenever the chance to get the latest um, 
scrub style whenever they do like a drop or something like that they'll pick up a new one and part of what's really at the core of figs is their marketing and brand awareness in the healthcare space when um their net promote promoter score which i really never give much value but i think is in the, the low 80s or something like that which is really high people love the figs brand in the healthcare space and so much of that is due to um, the branding around it they call their healthcare professionals awesome humans they're big on TikTok. they're big on instagram reels um they they gave hundreds of thousands of scrubs and masks away during covid so people want to be affiliated with figs customers want to support figs and um um um, 70% of orders last year, I think, were um, from recurring customers, which shows the powers. I'll, I'll check that. Here it is. Yeah, 70% of sales are from repeat customers. Um, so I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, this isn't really a comprehensive investment thesis, but they look cool. So, and that's a huge, I feel like that is a huge part of this. Like, kind of like Lululemon in that sense. Exactly. And um, I invested in Lululemon in, I think it was 2015. It was at around a hundred bucks a share. Don't worry. I sold it. Didn't make too much money on it. I sold it, I think at 130. Um, and um, obviously I've been trading mid low 300s now. So that one got away from me. And and I've always over the years tried to find the next Lululemon again. I when when you see something in society that that's really picking up, um, especially um when it has better so figs is actually growing faster and more profitable than Lululemon was at the same point. Um, so that's something that I find intriguing when you think about the two, but you're spot on. They look cool. That matters. That's what's taken Lulu far. Yeah. Um, who are, the, who is figs competing with? Is it just like traditional scrubs that they're trying to steal market share from? Um, yes and no. So uh, the, the easy answer is yes, that uh, scrubs are historically a very commoditized product where basically you can pick up scrubs or um, I, some hospitals work differently. Some they just give them out. Some there's general distribution stores, things like that. But um, biggest answer, yes. And people weren't feeling good in their scrubs and something Figs talks about a lot that um, these are people and arguably the most important profession and we don't give them a nice uniform to wear. They don't look good. They don't feel good. Uh, so the easy answer is yes. Uh, and then there's a few companies that are aggressively trying to uh, disrupt and compete with Figs. The one I keep my eye on and watch closely, I think it's pronounced Janu. Um, they raised a $75 million venture round in uh, in January 21 or 22. And uh, they, they're at, interestingly, their price at a very similar level. I thought they would have kind of tried to come in at a lower at a lower price rating, but they're coming in at a similar letter. And I think at the end of the day, um, so, something that management of things talks about is uh, no one innovates faster than them in the space. No one has relationship with the customers like that they do. And also 
the scrubs themselves are functional, meaning that there's um, something that legacy scrubs, I'll call it, that's the media mind in me, legacy scrubs don't have. Uh, there's places for um, to put your um, to rings in a pocket when you're washing your hands. It's um, repellent of different fluids and, and figs uh, protects their IP actively. And um, so, yeah. Um I'm looking at the website right now and it's, so it's more than, I guess it's, they got tops, pants, joggers, jackets, vests. It, it sounds like it's a little more extensive than just the, like what, what they need solely at the workplace. Am I, am I getting that right? For sure. So a lot of those clothes actually work in the workplace, right? That the hospitals are often cold. So they will wear uh, the um, the sweaters or things like that in, in the hospital itself, but also outside. And I think that's something that I'm very bullish on. You think um, Lululemon, people now wear it as everyday clothes, right? Um, and the i think that's part of fig's opportunity is to continue to grow into other aspects in that lifestyle brand in that figs pro you think about um when people love a brand and and i know um you guys keep your eye on callaway golf right one of their most impressive brands is travis matthew and you look at the growth that's going on there now they're totally moving from a men's clothing line to a women's clothing line as well serious success so with figs and i'm sure this is down the road because the opportunity in front of them is massive they only have two million active customers and but can they um go get their spouses wearing figs what about onesies for their kids right i think it's really endless as long as you continue to create a great brand all right you talked about the profitability what do the unit economics for figs look like and i guess why are they so good um you said they're better than lululemon which is top notch from a profitability standpoint in the apparel industry how efficient are they with their marketing spend and i guess maybe uh, what do you like do you think it's because that they're targeting this specific audience that may have better you know spending power they may have higher incomes and they're not competing with say a nike or anyone else they're, there's they're more insulated from the competition yeah um so to answer the first question um marketing was about 17 percent of sales last year um and then um the gross margins of the product historically were low 70 percent and but over COVID with supply chain issues they are um now in the high actually last quarter who think it was still 70s, but they're going to be going into the high 60s. Um, but they think that's a short run thing. And um, so the 20% EBITDA margin is their goal in the long run. So they really think that this um, can be a cash cow, obviously, if they continue to execute. And so much of that is because of the uh, the the amount they charge and their clientele similar to lulu and then also so much of their marketing does come from word of mouth right the, on instagram they have seven hundred and fifty thousand followers TikTok, they're getting big people love it and, and they just started expanding overseas they were just in uh australia canada couple 
uh, the UK and last quarter started uh, looking into a few international companies with very little marketing. And they uh, said, and I quote, extraordinarily pleased with the progress there just because of the word of mouth energy that really um, the, the, the company gets. I, I might have missed it there. Um, what did you they're they're generating cash. How much cash did you say they were generating? Yeah, so they were free cash flow positive. If you look at the two past years, um, and then this past quarter, they went negative, um, but that was done actively. So in 2019, they um, did a million dollars in free cash flow last year, about 19 and a half, uh, two years ago, about 19 and a half million. And then last year, 63 million. Um, and, and yeah, so that's serious cash. And then this past quarter, um, they their free cash flow was negative twenty three million, um, and but that was actively done, meaning they wanted to increase inventories. Their inventories went up more than the free cash than they lost in free cash flow, not because their inventories are rising because sales are slowing, but they suffered like so many others from serious supply chain issues. And their logic is let's get ahead of it. We have the cash on our balance sheet, um, high hundred million dollars, maybe like 170 million or something like that. Why not use it? I think that's a sign of great management, um, great use of capital. Um, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What uh, what were some of the supply? So I guess do they source their um, or do they manufacture their merchandise like abroad? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I haven't spent too much time looking into the supply chain issues, but I I don't think a lot of it was on the sourcing end, but rather the transportation. So they moved a lot of um, their transportation from um, I think ocean freight and to air, which is obviously more expensive, but there, and when you think about LPV perspective, getting, and then also the people that are actually doing this job, it's not like people waiting to get their PlayStation. It's um, you want healthcare workers to have the scrubs that they want, that they feel comfortable in. And I really like the, um, the move that figs made to um, raise inventories. Yeah. Yeah, they had to grow. Then they have the gross margin to, you know, to do that. I mean, if it's falling from seventy percent to sixty something percent, that's cannot be a huge deal. I mean, just thinking about the bridge from, you know, you're saying high sixty percent gross margins, and then they have seventeen percent spend on sales and marketing. 
what is the i know there's going to be some gna in there corporate overhead but what is the bridge to you know the 20 percent ebitda margin are they spending a lot on r d is there a lot of you know innovation research on on all the new products they're coming out of like have they talked about the specifics on what they're going to be spending on from operational operationally yeah so a, a lot of it's r d i think they got looking at it right now it's, i don't know this by heart got it full disclosure you know um two, 288 million dollars in sgna so that's was that 60 65 percent there and then um r d too right they 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 wanted um really keep pushing the needle of um both the technology and styles and things like that i just saw that charlie munger poster for the first time so loving that oh, um, there, there we go there, for anyone yeah, who's the listeners the listeners don't know but we have the goodfellas uh, poster uh but we put charlie munger and warren buffett and carl icon's head on it uh, yeah. so, that's what alex is referring to uh, uh custom made in the studio but continue alan yeah uh, and then um, also, but I think you're right. When you think about it logically, there should be a little more margin to squeeze in there, which um, I think is pretty bullish. Yeah. And okay, go ahead, Ryan. I, I guess is so. It, it sounds like they've really caught fire, kind of in the that healthcare yeah. professionals market, and I could see how that has a bit of a word of mouth slash you see everyone at work you're like yeah that person looks great at work 20 other people are like wow Susie's looking great today you know (laughs) I better pick up some of these um but can you see this expanding outside of healthcare professionals could this be like like what would warrant you walking around in figs clothing I almost already was walking around in figs clothing other than you being a shareholder I mean if you weren't an investor let's put that yeah (laughs) yeah okay to not be an investor um but answer is um that they might not need to leave the healthcare space at all right so with two million active customers 12 million uh, healthcare workers in the US, 120 million globally. They're barely anywhere globally and already projected to do 510 to 530 million in revenue this year, right? And there are in big US cities, they still feel that there's serious room to be disrupted. Um, so I know they did a big push in Philadelphia, Houston, Seattle. Um, they do these pop-up shops where you can buy in person. They said they had 600 people a day over a weekend. And it's, um, and then you see the massive growth in the lifestyle space too. Uh, and they can, they could continue to build out more and more. Uh, but they have discussed in the past moving into other verticals. I think it's something you could see them do when the company more when the company is more mature. Uh, they've discussed like other industries where uniforms are full time, like construction industry. Let's say um, I could envision that construction workers wearing their cool fig gear, things like that. But um, yeah, I don't think they will in the short run definitely or need to move outside the healthcare space all right let's move to management you mentioned you like them a lot what are the thoughts on that and then to get combine here there's been a lot of hype i guess uh, not hype but shopify has talked about you know this being a huge success story for their marketplace what are the positives and negatives for working with shopify right um 
So first, let's talk about management. Um, originally, they had two CEOs. That just changed recently. But Trina Spear is a very, um, she has experience on Wall Street, working in private equity, really in the weeds. She was more of a business mind behind it. And then Heather Hassone is really the creative mind um, and who first originally saw, man, there's an opportunity here. Uh, so they really had res uh, different responsibilities from the beginning. And then uh, only this past quarter did Trina become the full-time CEO move. I really like uh, making sure that business is at the forefront of the company. And then Heather got moved to an executive chairman position. So really um, think about the long-term for figs, the designs, the styles, um, how to continue to innovate, things like that. And so we talked about um, management. I mentioned already earlier, I really like that inventory move. I think that's very uh, impressive, but also they always stress um, high revenue growth along with profitability. They talk about profitability a lot. And, and for me, that's a key part of the thesis. And then um there's something else i like about management at the end of the calls they take shareholder questions and and real ones too like they uh at, they were at or they voluntarily talked about their stock price which is down they voluntarily talked about um how the competitors in the space what are they doing there my answers today from uh, on here are borrowed from trina spears answers for the end of the call so i just see a real sense of uh, transparency, hardworking, valuing shareholder equity, and really serious too. I think they 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 want to. They're they're a um, female only top management team. Daniela Turnshine's the CFO, so you have three women leading the charge, and I think there's a they see a real opportunity to say, "Hey, women can do this too, and do this big time." Um, so all in all, I'm really intrigued by uh, their story. And then the um, Shopify component, I like it. Um, I think the lack of stores is part of also why their uh, gross margins are so high, right? That there's no, um, uh, like Lululemon has stores. And also that works really well with their uh, customer base. Doctors aren't all the time going out shopping, things like that. They want to be able to buy order when they need it, get it fast. And Shopify, you're affiliated with one of the greatest companies in the world. And and yeah, we obviously think about the stock price, but the company itself is continuing to do great and will continue to um, be the e-commerce leader globally. And um, having them as a great partner is great and something that you'll continue to see as time goes on for many great companies. Do you think the Shopify relationship will help them with the international expansion? Because I kind of just, you brought that up, Shopify, you know, as the global presence with a lot of their companies. Uh, do you think that's an advantage compared to someone else? Maybe one of those smaller startups? Uh, yes and no. I think so much of the thesis internationally will be the answer is yes obviously it will help but um i'm much more focused on will the same word of mouth the same brand affinity that you have domestically carry over to overseas because if that is the case um we got a winner on our hands so that's what i'm really looking at there yeah and i guess one more follow-up on international yeah is something that gives you comfort with figs that 
the demand is super durable that, you know, healthcare workers are going to be in need till the end of time. Uh, right. Hopefully. And, you know, that like compared to say betting on, oh gosh, what's a good one? Just like a trendy apparel brand that sells, I don't know, t-shirts or whatever. This might have more durability and from, from these core, this core audience. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that. And you see that durability from other um, brands as well, right? Think about Nike. Everyone loves buying Nike and, and the brand seems to get stronger and stronger over time. At the same time, no one knows the future. No one knows what's going to happen. And part of why I like the FIGS investment is the risk profile, right? Yeah, they're trading at $1.37 billion. I checked right before we hopped on. Uh, and so that's about two and a half times forward sales, but there's cash generation. And I read a piece from Seth Klarman recently, like there's no sure things. Like I'm not saying for myself personally, of course, that um, I don't know if this will be a grand slam. It's continuing to do your due diligence, your research, continuing to learn. I'm very comfortable with the risk profile at these levels. And then the international expansion is a way I will continue to reevaluate my thesis. They have a really good metric where they break down um, my average order volume, um, where basically the size of the basket that um, people order, and that's growing with the lifestyle brands being added, which I really like to see. So when people are buying scrubs, they're buying more clothes on top of that. Uh, and, and, and yeah. I guess. So then by having a Shopify powered website, are, are a lot of the fulfillment needs um, or like, like just the logistics behind uh shipping the orders is that done by shopify or, or maybe much- we should ask like are, are they on amazon or are they trying to avoid that marketplace i guess with, in sure. with the logistic question so yeah so i'll answer the first one with a truth and say i don't know um i don't i haven't spent too much time looking at the um fulfillment and logistics of it. I don't think they're on Amazon and there's a way to figure out very quickly. Um, yeah, well, let's confirm quick by searching. As, as I, I find talk, some scam ones. As I am talking a little bit slower, I'm also Googling, they are on Amazon. Okay, um, okay. so maybe they do fulfill, maybe Amazon does their fulfillment, but Shopify okay. might not at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, supply. There's a reason I study supply chain in school, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about so you you briefly mentioned the market cap? It looks like it's just under $1.7 billion. How are you kind of valuing the business? What does that translate relative to some? what, What are some of the metrics or valuable ratios that you use? Yeah. Uh, so I do keep in mind, I try to stay away from price to sales in general, but I think with a young company like this, it's important to look at. So you see two and a half times forward sales. Um, I'm not focused on EBITDA margin, like in the short run. Um, but as the company matures, I think I'm going to start looking at um, the margin there. But a lot of my valuation, interestingly, has gone to Lululemon and where Lulu was at in this journey. I know a lot of people will focus on competitors today, but 
Um, I um, really look at Lulu gives us a great trajectory. And if Lulu was at $2.2 billion when Figs was at one and a half billion at the same part of their journey, as I mentioned earlier, Figs growing faster, um, more profitable, it should be the other way around. Lulu should be um, less than Figs was at this point in the journey. And as a long-term investor, I'm not really worried about is it 1.3, 1.1, 1.7, right? So I'm not too focused on certain uh, economics and really, because if they execute, it won't matter, right? Um, and and that's my perspective there. But I do look at Lulu a lot and also some different retail names. I've looked at Allbirds before. And what's really interesting there with Allbirds, the margins are pretty sure in like the mid 50s there, but they're losing money. Um, and they're at around $650 million market cap. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers there, but I've also looked at all birds, but yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it's a little tough to value given the, on, on any sort of cash flow or income metric, given the recent, the last year or so has been difficult. What do you think, what kind of profit margins do you think they could have as if they, you know, grow and execute like you, um, Oh. Yeah. So, so they've made it very clear that by um, by 2025 and the 24, three goals, a billion dollars in revenue, 70 percent um, plus gross margins, 20 percent EBITDA margins. So on a billion dollars in revenue, there should be 200 million dollars in, in real operating uh, margin from that. And hopefully almost all of that would end up being free cash flow. Okay. Right. Yeah. And there's inventory stuff, but that'll get worked right. out over time. Let's wrap right. things up. What do you think could go wrong with a fixed investment? Little pre-mortem here. I mean, what what are the risks you're seeing? Yeah. And I love that you're asking this question because I don't think it comes up enough. Um, but with figs specifically, two things. One is repeat orders, right? As I buy um, figs. I have eight different scrubs in my closet. Do I continue to want to buy a ninth, a tenth? Do I want to replace my old ones? Or is it I've got my 10 scrubs, the product is too good, I don't need to buy more. Um, so that's a big thing. And then two is that international expansion. Um, simply put, is figs as cool uh, abroad internationally as it is domestically? I think it is. I think that style travels. Uh, and, um, and, and yeah, but I, I think those are the two things that could go wrong. All right. I think that's all the questions we have. Do you have any more? Do you want to give a little maybe elevator pitch around what the crossover is since uh, what we'll I want to promote? Link. Yeah, we'll throw a link in the show notes for anyone listening that's interested. Yeah, for sure. So I am a creator at Workweek Media, a new B2B creator-focused media company. We're about 10 months old. Uh, and I head up the crossover, which is a newsletter uh, that 
breaks down the intersection between the public and private markets. So crossover investing is a rapidly growing field uh, in the investment arena. A lot of the top venture firms like um, Bessemer, Tiger Global, KOTU, um are investing both in the public and private markets they're looking to leverage their knowledge of the private markets but also take advantage of discrepancies between the valuations in between the two so what i'm really looking to do is identify i tap in both worlds independently like breaking down a venture funding round but also just doing a pure stock analysis uh but what i normally do is uh, compare a public to a private company and try to put together a thesis using insights from each one, not only on the respective industry, but also the respective companies. Like um, on Thursday, I'm going to be dropping a piece uh, breaking down Beyond Meat and a company called Meaty. So looking at uh, Beyond Meat, all of their financials, growth in the industry, and then Meaty is another alternative protein company that um, raised $150 million pretty recently. So what does Meaty think that they can do that Beyond Meat can't, things like that. And also for the stock investors out there, I mean, um, what I call a crossover portfolio where I share eight or nine of my favorite stocks. I track and I manage it as if it was real money, uh, sharing um, where I'm building positions, how I'm building positions and, and, and yeah, but um, in short, that's the crossover. All right. Perfect. Well, that's going to do it. Um, I guess if anyone wants to follow you, what's the Twitter handle? At Alan Sockbaugh. A-L-A-N-S-O-C-L-O-F. Perfect. Uh, want to remind our listeners that Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. 